0: If you were walking in and you got your annual report, would you go ahead and hold it up for me all across the room? Yeah, so I want to take just a moment and show you what God did in 2017. Now, some of you came out of churches where you never knew where the money went or what your tithes and offerings were going to, to and uh, that's sad because we should all give an account, amen? Because on that day, we will give an account of our life, and so we might as well start learning how to do it as a church now. So for us. that being said, this is our 2017 annual uh, review, of what God did for us and through us to our community and the surrounding area and to the world. So if you will, open it up with me. And I just want to testify that in 2017, our total income, tithes, offerings, and all of our investments, $1.255 million, $180.64. Come on, you can do better now. That's the Lord. Look at that. And if you'll look down with me right under that, you'll see that our tithes and offerings were right at $1.1 million. And then our special offerings, $25,000, we gave, if you'll remember, we gave to the flood victims, we gave to other churches, and guys, you gave $25,000 just above and beyond tithes and offerings, just special offerings to help other people. Can you give yourselves a hand? I'm just so proud of you. So amazing. Then our resource center and our, and our other income sources, right at an $89,000. God just really blessed us. And so, if you will, look under total expenses and kind of where we spent the income. You'll see that little pie chart. Um. Operations, which is you know the notes on buildings, electricity, what it takes to you know operate everything, came to about thirty five percent of our uh, of our total income our savings we put twenty six percent in savings this year that's unbe- and that 's unbelievable. I mean, I I challenge you as an individual to try to put 10%. Jamie and I put 10% in savings. We tie 10% and we live off the 80%. And then uh, we put 26%. And I'll tell you why. This last year and this coming into 2018 as well, we're believing for a second campus. And so we don't want to come before you and beg and plead and can you help us. And oh, no, no, no. We want to actually run real thin and put a lot more in savings so that when it comes online, we don't have to have a big expense to try to get a second campus. That's just good management. And I'm just so proud of our our stewardship team and how great they do. Look down, then the next number is real important to me and that is staff salaries. We only spend 24% of our income in salaries. Now, I want you to think about those of you that are businessmen and women in the room. You spend probably closer to 50 to 60% in salaries, and we only spend 24%. The national average is like 55%, and we're about half that, and I'll tell you the reason why. Because we know that as we're getting up and going as a church, and we've only been in this building three years, that we wanted to run real thin, and we have some amazing people serving. The people in there serving your kids, they don't get paid anything. A few of them get paid a couple hundred dollars a month like as a stipend for gas money but those people run work in that cafe they don't get paid a bunch of money so when you're rude to them because you didn't like the way the latte tastes just remember you're you're actually being rude to one of God's sons and daughters who are just doing their best and it ain't worth the money for them they're just trying to serve and we give them a little bit of gas money and they do it as a service unto the Lord those folks holding the door they don't get paid anything in fact we only have six full-time staff here at the church come on now and we're doing all and so as a result yeah we're not always excellent in some things that I I'd like to be better at, but that's because we didn't want to start hiring folks and giving them big salaries and then have a dip economically or something like that and then have to lay them off. I know people who don't love God anymore who are mad at the church because they worked at a church staff and the moment that things started getting a little difficulty, all of a sudden they had to get let go because there wasn't enough money there, and now they don't believe in God and they don't believe in the church. So we're running a little thinner than that. We're gonna build up a little bit better as the years go go on. But I just want you to give a hand to all of our staff who sacrifice for you. And and for me, and who give themselves completely. And listen, it when their little 2% raise many times is, is another $5 a month. I mean, it ain't a whole lot. So we want to just be grateful for all that God's doing. And I'm just so proud of our staff, how they sacrifice for you. 10% to missions. Come on, somebody. We give to missions, and we'll look at that over on the other leaflet. But 10% goes to that. And then ministries and outreach at a 5%. And uh, I'm just so proud of how we have laid out our finances. You'll see in 2016... Our income, our tithes and offerings was at 861000 and look at the difference in 2016 versus 2017 at $1.139 million. That's a 32% increase. Give yourselves a hand. Give the Lord a hand. You know what God's been doing? You've been able to tithe and give offerings. Because why? Because God's been blessing you. Your finances have come up and that's all we pray. God, if you'll just help us, we want to be able to give more and we want to trust more, Lord God, but we got to get out of some of the bad situations we're in and to build our faith. And I've just been watching God do miracles for you and he's and it's proven just right here in the numbers so what a beautiful account look at our ministries we've averaged just over 40 young adults every week give them a hand I'm so proud of them Uh, and that's with us sending all of our young adult leadership to plant a church in Tennessee the year before last and so we've been in a rebuilding phase so proud of you Pastor Sean you're killing it bro and then our our young adults and our junior high ministry been averaging the last few months right at 95 total give them a hand I'm so proud of them and then you're not going to believe this but we have over 200 kids in the kids ministry every Sunday. That's a lot. Little goldfish and gummy bears and little, come on somebody, veggie tails and loving on your little blessings. Y'all keep having babies. We grow in a church. I tell you, I'm so proud of you. We, if you look at the, to the right in the, in the inside leaflet, we had over 800 people claim Jesus as their Lord and Savior this year through Church on the Hill. Some of you came and you got right with the Lord. You've been away from the Lord. Some of you are in this 800. Some of you brought your family and friends, coworkers and neighbors. Guys, 800 folks came to know Jesus. Do you know that the national t- statistic right now, and they're arguing about it uh, up until a couple months ago, it was 80% of churches in America were dying, dead, and in decline. Then they've reworked it in the last couple of weeks and they've been arguing about it. No, 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 that's inaccurate. 65% of the churches of America have been in decline. In fact, 90% of churches in America did not baptize a single person last year. Watch yourself. You saw 800 folks come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Give yourselves in. That's you, man. You guys are loving folks. And if you'll notice over to that right, look at the little uh, black bullet points. We baptized 55 people last year. Come on, give it up. That's awesome. Some of you got water baptized. We dedicated 40 babies. I'm telling you, I'll tell you one thing about Church on the Hill. We like making babies around here. So 40, we (laughs) dedicated 40 babies. We had 250 of you serve in our CST, which is our celebration service teams. You served holding the doors for folks, loving on kids in the kids ministry, working in the cafe, standing out in the parking lot in the cold and helping people find the parking spot. Give yourselves a hand. Come on. This is an active, thriving church. And then I love that we had 38 thriving small groups. My desire is to have 10 times that, but that's where we're at right now. And then look in our celebration services. We averaged 876 folks on the weekends in our celebration services. That is magnificent. We started the year at about 750. We ended the year at about 950 or so, about 950 of us or so, between 9 and 950. And so the average of that is about 867 for the year. And then we had 251 folks averaging in weekly small group attendance with us. And then look at our missions impact, and this is what I'm so proud of. We took 87 members in 2017 on a short-term missions trip. Give yourselves a hand. You helped. You went. And uh, we our vision was to take uh, 100, so 13 of you were in rebellion. But that's okay. The Lord will get you this year. I'm just kidding. Anyway, and so... <clears throat> <laughs> but uh but we are believing actually I'm doubling doubling that number this year. I'm believing for 150 of you to go on a short-term mission trip. And then we support 15 full-time missionaries and uh, and missions organizations and you can see down the different nations that you're reaching with your with with our mission support. We're reaching Botswana, Mexico. That's a little hold on just a second. Let me see. That's Pretty small print right there. Is it on the screen? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. There we go. United States, Nepal, India, Pakistan, Bangladesh. And then I love this. This was for our community community outreach that we did. We saw 3,500 people come to our Miracle Weekend that we do every year. And that is a partnership that Church on the Hill does with the city of Cedar Hill. Years ago, in time of prayer, the Lord spoke to me and said uh, that um, Easter is not about eggs and not about bunnies. It's about the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. Not that Jesus died, but that he resurrected. And that separates the truth of Christianity versus all other religions. All their other founders are dead in the grave, have never come back to life because they are not God. Jesus Christ, on the other hand, resurrected, is seated at the right hand of the Father and making intercession for us. And so we decided we were going to do something for the community, call it Miracle Weekend. And so we do a big Easter egg uh, hunt. We do a big drop out of the helicopter. Drop. I think we do, what, 25,000 Easter eggs. We finance it. We get out there and volunteer. And we just love our community. It doesn't build church on the hill. Church on the hill don't... Uh, we don't get more members from it. We just spend that Saturday morning loving on our community, giving them a free event, bounce houses, all these free giveaways, and we and we take a one of the high school, two of the high school students, the male and female that most represent character and integrity and doing great things with their life. And and church on the hill usually gives them, I think it's a five hundred dollar uh, scholarship for the college of their choice, and so a thousand dollars between the two of them. And it's just a great community event. And then and then the next community event that's real big for us is our block party, and we have. Twelve hundred folks come out to our block party this year, and the block party for us is uh, we we um, have adopted two uh, excuse me three schools. Bray Elementary is our school, and then uh, the Collegiate Middle School and the Collegiate High School. And so we invite all the teachers to come out. We love on them. We 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 give do giveaways for the teachers and the staff, and then we just ask the whole community to come out. and uh, You've seen pictures and footage of it. We bounce around in bounce houses. Uh, we had dance offs. We had free food. We had food trucks. We it's just magnificent and face painting. Just a great time. And, and 1,200 people came out and stood in our parking lot and got loved on. And then every month, our young people, our, our, our youth leaders minister in the high schools to over 250 kids. They actually, at the Collegiate High School, they put all those kids in a room and walk out and say, you got them, and let our guys minister to them. Don't tell me Jesus isn't alive in the public school system. Come on, somebody. And then we have uh, 10 local small group outreaches. We did this last year. We have a uh, what, what you would call a staff evangelist. Uh, Mr. Josiah is, uh, is an evangelist by way of calling And he takes our small groups out to do outreaches Whether it's door-to-door uh, ministry Or whether it's block parties Or whether it's serving the homeless Or feeding you know, folks Or going to the uh, unwed mother's home And ministering to them And we did 10 of those last year Would you give yourselves a hand For ministering to the Lord to the community, and to the world. I'm so proud of you. And on the back of this, we'll give you our 2018 vision, what we're believing God to do. So in 2018, would you believe this with me? And when I finish reading it, would you say amen? We want to see over a 1,000 souls brought into the kingdom. Amen. Come on, you can do better now. We want to see over a 1,000 souls in 2018 come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Amen. We want to take 150 people on a short-term mission trip. Would you say amen? amen. We want to expand our influence to a second campus. Would you shout amen and believe that with me? Come on. And then we want to, let me help you with that. The reason why we want to expand to multiple campuses is because Jesus said, go into all the world. He didn't say bring the world to you. And so this church facility and this community gathering is in Cedar Hill. And some of you drive from Duncanville and some as far as uh, Arlington. And we even got some folks come all the way out from, you know, Paris and all these different places. Well, here's the problem. Their friends aren't going to come with them. And the only way to reach their friends is to go to their friends. And so we want to put a campus in every city in the Metroplex and we want to make it hard to go to hell from DFW. Are you with me? Say yes. And so a second campus is just a starting point. Once we get that stake in the ground, God's going to continue to multiply that. And many of you are going to end up being ministers in those different campuses. And so you've got to believe that with us. The next thing is that we want to double the amount of life-giving small groups here at Church on the Hill. Would you shout amen and believe that with me? Amen. And then we want to expand costs and Investment in the community. This year I'm believing that many of you will get involved in your community. Uh, that you'll get on, you know, parks and recs board, that you'll get involved in loving the, the high schoolers and the junior hires in your city and your area, whether it be Duncanville, Cedar Hill, DeSoto, Lancaster, Arlington, Grand Prairie, wherever it may be, that we get in the community and we actually be the church. The problem with the church so much in this hour is that everybody wants uh, people to come to the church, but they don't, but no one wants to be the church and go love on the community. And the community looks at us and says, Well, You know, all you do is take the best space, build these big buildings, and they want my money. Instead of us saying, no, 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 you need to understand we love you, and we're going to get involved in what's important to you, and we're going to be light and darkness. Come on, you there? Say yes. And then the last thing that we're believing for is, and this is a crazy vision that that we have that the Lord's given us, but we want to develop a Church on the Hill internship this year. We're believing by the end of the year that we'll take guys who are in between college and high school and kind of trying to figure out what they want to do with the Lord and where they want to go, that they could take a year and they could serve with us and we can train them and we can disciple them and they can kind of get their feet grounded in the things of the Lord and uh, and come and work around the church and see what it is to be a servant of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and do a little ministry with us and we're believing that we're going to get that up and running. Pastor Jonathan's going to be taking lead on that. So if you believe for that with us, say Amen. 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 Would you lift that up before the Lord? And we want to just speak of uh, the, the, the gratefulness that God to God over this. Lord, we thank you. This piece of paper is a representation of these men and women's lives. Of what we as a church have done for you and what we've stood for. Lord God, where we put our money where our mouth is, and we said, we'll bring our tithes and offerings before the Lord, but but Lord, we want you to change lives with it. And how we've reached out into the community, how we've given to missionaries, and and all the missionaries at the end of the year were just sending us letters saying, thank you for supporting us. Lord, we bless them. We, We pray over our missionaries. We pray over those outreaches that we'll do again this year, Lord God. We just pray, Lord God, that it would touch the community, and they would know that there's a church that loves them, that's not trying to take from them, that's not looking for donations, but it's looking to be a donation to the loss and the dying of this world and father we just thank you lord god that 2018 will be even better as you use us to change the world in jesus name and everybody shout it amen and amen come on you can do better now shout amen were you blessed with this say yes if you have any questions about it, you can get with our financial team and they can work with you to answer any of that. Now, as we start into the Word today, get your Bible ready and go ahead and pull that out and get it, get it pulled up, your Bible app, and we're going to kind of jump into this teaching that I have for you today. I've titled this, Arise Church. Would you turn to that person next to you and say, Arise, Church. Turn to a person on the other side and say, Arise, Church. There you go. Our key scripture is out of Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. I'll give you a second to pull it up. Matthew 16 and 18. And it says this. It says, and I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or hell, will not overcome it. Jesus, I ask you that you would help me present this word in the way that you want it presented that you would mark the hearts of men and women in this room, those listening by way of live stream, those that will listen to it later on podcast. Lord, I pray that we would be the church in this hour. This is our finest hour. And I pray, Lord God, that we would arise and not be passive. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This, uh, this, this scripture in verse 18 is actually pulled out of a much larger passage where Jesus is having this interaction with his disciples. In fact, if you would, let's turn there and let's look at the whole passage and kind of learn some lessons from this interaction that Jesus is having with his 12 disciples. We'll back up to verse 13 of Matthew chapter 16. It says, "And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Verse 14, they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, are one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is a powerful passage. And it starts off laying some foundation to us that you may not be accustomed to. But it starts off by saying that Jesus took his disciples to the region of Caesarea Philippi. I've actually been in, 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 in Israel and been to this area, Caesarea Philippi, and uh, in fact, um, I'll be back here next month. Um, the Ministry of Tourism of Israel has reached out to what they consider influential pastors in the United States, and they are financing for us to come to Israel, flying us there, putting us in hotels, touring us around Israel, because they have come to an understanding that only the Christians will stand with them in these dark times. And so they've invited Jamie and I for a free ride to go see Israel. Come on, one more time. That's awesome. So it happened in February. So if you don't see me in February one weekend, that's where I'm at. And in this place, I've been there at Caesarea Philippi. This was at the this 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 area is at the base of, uh, of Mount Mount Hermon. And Mount Hermon has this spring that comes up out of the the, kind of the base of it. And there's this giant cave area. And in Old Testament times, uh, what happened at the base of this mountain and down in that cave is that uh, they would uh, have Baal worship. They would get out there, you know, and they would worship satanic powers or Baal and they would cut themselves. And it was marked by orgies and bestiality and all this kind of messy, nasty, wicked stuff. And then come New Testament times, once the Romans had conquered all of that, um, Herod actually uh, allowed it to continue on. And they worshipped what was called the Pan God. And the Pan God was, um, was in the form of a goat. And much like our Satan worship here in the United States with the, with the goat head and all these kind of worship. And, and, and much prostitution, much sexual perversion. And so Jesus takes his country boys his Galileans, his little dudes, and they've been ministering mainly around the Galilean area, and he takes them 30 miles. Now, when you're walking 30 miles, that's like going to another state for us, okay? So he takes them on a journey. It's kind of like their, it's kind of like their final test. They've been with him for a number of years now. It's kind of like their, you know, their, their final exam. And he takes them to Caesarea Philippi, and as he's walking and probably standing right about the mouth of this cave, and you gotta understand that they actually called the mouth of this cave the gate. Of hell are the gates of Hades because their belief system was was that the underlords, the gods of the deep, the the gods of the earth, actually had sexual intercourse, and that they would that these were the gates to get down into all of that wickedness and perversion. So they called it the gates of hell. And so Jesus is walking there with his disciples, and as they are there, and you got to imagine these little country boys are wigged out because he's just brought them into the red light district. He just brought them. Come on down. He just brought them down on that one street and. New York, that nobody, or from us being from Louisiana, he done brought, brought them down on Bourbon Street. He done put them down in the French Quarter and all that wickedness is going on. And they're like, whoa, we shouldn't be here. This is wicked. And Jesus says to them, in the midst of that, he goes into a discourse about who do people say I am? He says, hey guys, what's everybody saying about me? Like, what's, what's happening on social media? What's, what's the latest tweet about who I am? And so they start just throwing out Some say John the Baptist The reason why they throw out John the Baptist Because he's the most uh, popular person of ministry Up until that moment Over the most recent years And then some say that you're like Jeremiah See Jeremiah spoke with authority Of all the prophets He's considered one of the most authoritative of the prophets And then some say you're like Elijah And Elijah was kind of marked by doing most of the miracles So they're saying because of all the miracles you're doing They're calling you Elijah Because you speak as one with authority As the voice of God They consider you like a Jeremiah And then some even say that you're like John the Baptist Baptist who was wild and crazy and set apart and we could tell God's hands was upon him. And then he turns to him and he looks at him and he says, but who do you say that I am? Forget about what everybody else says. Who do you say I am? Final exam. Here we go. You've been with me for a number, number of years now. What do you say about me? And out of Peter's stomach, out of his gut, out of the in parts of who he is, he says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus probably, now remember, there's prostitution happening all down in here. There are dudes coming and grabbing and moving and perversion's happening here. And it's vile and wicked. and, And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, boy, what? He said, look here, look here. He said, you haven't gotten that revelation from what other people are saying. My daddy has revealed to you what nobody else is getting. Boy, you got it. You got the revelation. I am the Christ. I am the one sent to forgive the sins of the world. I am God in the human form. And you see it. You get it. And then he goes on and he says something so significant. And most people read this and they miss it. In fact, the Catholic Church has built a whole false doctrine on it. Because he says, Peter... No longer am I going to call you Simon, I'm going to call you Peter. And the reason why is because you see multiple times throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, whenever there was a transformation in a person, whenever there were these moments of deep transformation, God would change their name. Abram, he changed it to Abraham. Sarai to Sarah. Come on now, are you with me? Jacob to Israel. Why? Because there's a transformation. You just had a transformation, son. You just have an understanding of who I am, and it's on this revelation I'm going to build my church. Not on you. You're just a dude. He ain't building it on a man. Come on, somebody. He built. It's built on Jesus Christ. This thing called the church, the center post, the, if you will, the, the capstone, as the scripture calls it, it's built on Jesus, not on a man named Peter who was a sinner. Come on, somebody, like the rest of us, who's just a good dude who was who was being used by God like the rest of us. That, that's where the Catholic Church misses. it. He's not building it on Peter. He's building it on the revelation that every man and woman must have that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. See, this is the problem that I find so much around the world is that people go to church. They like what it does for them. It gives them a little good, a little bit of a feel good, you know, because they're doing their little due diligence. But many of them have never come to the revelation that He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Peter has this revelation, and then Jesus says, "And I'm going to build what my, my, my ministry, my video series, my church." Where am I going to build it? I'm going to build it right here in the midst of pain and suffering and difficulty. It's not to be a place with the four little walls that everybody gets in and feels safe and our little kids can be safe and we can be, no, no, I'm going to put my church, I'm going to build something that transforms lives right At the gates of hell, where the world is broken and undone. Can I tell you why people perverted? Because they have no other reason to live. Can I tell you why people do drugs? Because they're depressed and frustrated. They have no other reason to go on with life. Can I tell you why people hurt people? Because they're hurt and they don't know any other. I'm going to bring a solution, Jesus said. And guess what it's going to be? It's not going to be a video series. It's not going to be a training school. Guess what it's going to be? My church. I'm going to build a church. Listen to me, church. This is our finest hour. This is our final. When Jesus wanted to bring solution to the world, he brought it by way of the church. We're the solution to the loss and dying. We're the solution to what ails. So I want to give you a couple of teachings from this, a couple of pieces. Write these down real quick. A couple of lessons from Jesus' final exam. Number one, I've already hit on it a little bit. Number one, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus, this is the first thing he's trying to get them to get. I am the Christ, the Son of the Living God. I am the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of the Living God. He's Christ. Here's the problem I have I've been in ministry full time now for 28 years, full time ministry, 28 years. In those 28 years, I have had thousands. Tens of thousands, I, like it. I want Jesus in my life. And then all of a sudden, after a number, of, however time frame comes, they walk away. He wasn't real. I didn't really, it didn't mean anything. I couldn't be, da, 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 and all these different excuses. You know what the problem was? They never really got a revelation that Jesus is the Christ. They never got it. They liked what the church did for them. They felt good. Some of them were socially inept and didn't have a social life. And so they came to the church and people were nice to them for the first time in their life. They had problems and difficulties. And they said, okay, I'm going to go to the church and the church is going to fix it for me. But they never made Jesus the Christ. Peter wasn't just signed up on a good team that was actually doing miracles and he got to be on Jesus' team. He had a revelation. You are the Christ. Christ when you and I get a revelation he is Lord then guess what then no longer is money Lord of our life when we get a revelation that our eyes are open that Jesus is Lord then we don't care about this world or this world system or what's popular or what's trending it doesn't matter anymore because he is Lord and this is the breakdown and so many community of gatherings that call themselves Christians is that many times all it is is simply a grouping of people who want to feel good about themselves but never make Jesus Lord how do I know you made Jesus Lord according to Scripture. Because you obey his teachings. He says, this is how I know that they are mine. They obey my teachings. And so when I get people say, well, I don't know if that's what the Bible says or not. This is what I'm going to do. I, I always tell them, well, man, I wish you'd make Jesus the Lord of your life. No, I'm a Christian. Nope. Love you. But the word of God says in Hebrews that if we continue deliberately in sin after having the knowledge of truth, there's no longer any sacrifice for that sin for we trampled underfoot the very blood of Jesus and made his name to no avail. In other words, we don't have a revelation that he is Lord. That's why we continue to enjoy, empower, and love our sin. But when we have a revelation that he is Lord, we're like, oh, I love you more than anything else. And guess what happens? That sin just starts kind of flaking off. It just kind of falls apart. Here's the second big teaching that Jesus had in this, and we've already mentioned a little bit. But number two, his church is the solution to wickedness. At the gates of hell, at this place in Caesarea Philippi, at the base of Mount Horn, as he's standing there with all these guys, he goes, right here, right here in the midst of all this wickedness, I'm going to build my church. Can I tell you something? The church is the solution. The church has the answer to racism. The church has the answer to sexual addiction. The church has the solution to all the hate crimes. The church has the solution to poverty. The church was Jesus' answer for a world crying out for help. The world's saying, what do we do in our lives? He said, I'm not going to build a video series. I'm not going to just leave some gold glasses that you could go find a gold tablet and that somehow is going to fix everything. I'm going to build my what? Say it with me. Church. Church. I'm going to build a church. My sons and daughters will carry my DNA. My people will look like me and act like me. My solution is not to have a set up a temple And have everyone make the Magigoria, you know, uh, track over to where I'm at in Israel. I'm not going to set up these palaces all around the nations of the world. And you can come to me. No, 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 no. I'm going to build my church time for the church to arise we are the solution for what ails the united states of america what ails the countries of the world the difficulties in politics come on somebody the difficulties in media the difficulties with sin habits the church he said i'm gonna build it why why would he build a church why is that his solution this is the first time we hear him mention this i'm gonna build my church and that word build is not a one-time thing but an ongoing process a continual growth And that's why when you see churches in decline, when you see churches that are no longer moving forward, somewhere along the line, they stop letting Jesus be Lord and they stop loving the hurting people of the world. Friend, let me tell you something. 2018, I need you to catch the vision. Church on the Hill is gonna love the hurting people of the world. Are you with me? Say yes. We're gonna be a light in darkness. We're gonna arise and touch the hurting people of this world. We're gonna be what Jesus was, a lover of humanity and have a solution provider. Why? Because we are enthralled and connected to and filled with the great solution provided the Holy Spirit lives and abides in us. We have the solutions to what breaks down this world system. That's what Jesus built. Can you imagine as they're standing there? You're going to build your church right in the midst of all this? See, that was a break from Jewish concept. Jewish concept was what we need to do is extract ourselves from the wickedness of this world and protect our, content, our constituents And we need to have our little law, and we need to fight against all the wickedness of the world. And we see that throughout the Old Testament because they kept going back and forth into sin. So God kept telling them, come out from amongst them. Be separate. He didn't want them to stop loving them. He wanted them to stand for what they believed in. He didn't want them to stop being light and darkness. He just wanted them to actually stand with him and let him love the hurting world through them. But they couldn't, and so as a result, they isolated themselves. And Jesus does the opposite. He doesn't build a temple. He doesn't set up shop and say, Everybody come to me. He goes to them. This is the church. This is the activity of the church. It so excites me because Jesus is building his church and he's saying, my church is going to be a movement. It's going to keep going. It's going to keep rising. It's going to keep going forward. Listen to me, church. This is our finest hour. There's more difficulty happening now than we've seen in a long time. Are you with me? Say yes. And this is our finest hour to be the church, to smile, to bring peace in the midst of turmoil, to bring strength and truth in the midst of lies and manipulation. At your office where all these people may be wicked and go out partying every weekend. You are the church, right, sent to the gates of hell, right there in the midst of that to be who you are. You say, well, I'm not perfect. Yeah, but you're the church. You're his solution. You say, but I messed up. Yes, but you're his solution. You have in you the answer to what ails them. You say, but I don't have it all figured out yet. Neither do I, but I'm just going to be the church. And I'm, as I'm being the church, is going to change lives. That was his answer. We, in our imperfection, What's his answer? His solution. It's time for the church to arise. And the third thing that he says to them, you got to catch this lesson, and that we are given the keys. We are given the keys. The keys to unlock. To unlock. What are keys for? They're to open doors. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you something. You may think the CEO of that big complex is the guy in charge. He's not. You find that dude with all the keys. That's the guy who can get you in somewhere. I always go find the maintenance men. They know everything. They know where the bodies are hidden. Come on, somebody. They can get you in places. The CEO, he's never even known. We got that. I didn't even know we had that hallway. That's right. But the maintenance man does. He knows how it all works. Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to give you just a little vision. I'm going to give you. The keys that will open the passageways of the broken heart. That bring healing to those who are, who are broken and undone. To bring it, put forth liberty to those who have been bound. I'm going to give you the keys to unlock them. Listen to me. you got to understand this. This is so good. The reason why we have spiritual gifts is so, not so we can dance around in the church and fall out and have some kind of you know glory moment or something like that. We've been given the spiritual gifts to unlock the heart of those who are bound and broken and confused confused in their mind who've been lied to that they that they have to be this way who've been told that they're worthless and never amount to anything to unlock that and can I tell you something you have keys to people's lives that I do not have keys to you have under the what you've been through, the mistakes you've made, the problems that you suffer with. That has a key to unlock others who say, "I got the same thing." How did you, man? I ain't got it all figured out, but I know one thing: He is Lord. He is the Lord of my life, and I keep I keep walking it out. I mess up, but I keep getting back up. I keep serving Him, and He gives me grace. And I can't believe my kids love me. I can't believe my wife stayed with me through all that. Don't make no sense to me, but I'm just telling you right now: Jesus is Lord. And when you start t- turning those keys, it starts unlocking that coworker's heart, that neighbor's heart. It starts to click and open the doors that no preacher can come on somebody. No, no, no gathering at a Sunday service can unlock. You are the church. It's time for you and me to arise in 2018 and be the light of the world and be the solution provider that he's made us to be. Ah, I'm preaching better than you shall. amen. Tell you that right now. Good God Almighty. And he says it like this. He says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenlies. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in the heavenlies. Let me explain that teaching to you because I've, I've heard these guys teach, uh, uh, you know, they teach um, uh, what, a warfare prayer and things like that. And they teach these different doctrinal pieces about binding and loosing. you got to understand where it comes from to be able to teach this properly, what Jesus is talking about. So, in, in, in Jewish way of life, they had the law handed down by Moses. Well, these laws, in other words, had all the, we can't do this, we can do this, we can't do this, we can't do this. You get all these laws, right? Well, the problem with laws is like the same thing we have. We have a judicial system. Why? We have laws, but why do we have a judicial system to interpret those laws, right? As things are changing and life is changing and technology is changing, so forth and so on. And so, what this was in biblical times were the rabbis interpreted the law and said, well, this is what this means. No, you can do like this. Oh, yeah. Listen, you can't do that anymore. And that would be binding them to that law. You can't do that. I bind you to this. You cannot cannot go on the Sabbath and, and pull out your laptop because that would be wrong. That was how they would interpret it in this hour. And they would bind you to it. This is the way you're supposed to do it. This is the way you're supposed to So you need to commit to this. This is binding to it. Or they would come back around and say, hey, listen, the way we used to do that, that's changed. That's not really what the Lord meant with that. So we loose you from that commitment. We loose you from that way of thinking. We loose you from that stronghold of expectation. And so when they would bind you and loose you, what they would do is they would bind us to a way of living, to a law, to a principle, or they would loose us into a freedom that we didn't necessarily have before. And so what Jesus is saying is, and I will give you the keys. And he says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in the heavenlies. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in the heavenlies. So in other words, when you prophesy to that man and say, sir, the Lord showed me that you have had a stronghold in your mind, that God doesn't love you, that God's against you simply because you don't pray enough, simply because that's a lie, I loose you from that. And Jesus' name, they'll be loosed in the heavenlies as well on earth. That's what he's talking about. To unlock those things and, and loose you from lies that, you know what? If you don't go to church, you're not a good Christian. If you don't do this, you're not this. If you don't do this, you're not this. And to loose those, but to tell them at the same time, listen, you call yourself a believer, but you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, and you're not obeying his teachings. Look what this teaching says now. I need to bind you to this. You need to come back to this Truth. That those who serve the Lord serve him out of a pure heart. You seem to be serving him out of a motivation to get ahead of everybody else. And to use the church as a place for you to get rich. Come on, somebody. See, we have the keys to bind and to loose, to set at liberty the captives. I tell you right now, that's so good. And two years ago, a man by the name of Wynn Arn was a church consultant. And uh, he surveyed members of nearly a thousand churches. And he asked them this question. Why does church exist? And 89% responded with this. The church's purpose is to take care of my family and my needs. 89%. The churches, a thousand churches that he surveyed. Only 11% said the purpose of the church is to win the world for Jesus Christ. See, that's a misunderstanding. I want you to understand something. As we come together as the body called Church on the Hill, yes, we minister to one another's needs. We help each other, raise each other's kids and give, and give clarity and, and, and protect one another and have good gatherings and safe place to meet and comfortable location to meet in. But friend, at the end of the day, our purpose is to win the lost and hurting of this world. That's our purpose. That's your purpose. The church is not this building. The church is is more than this this report of what God did financially. You're the church. I'm the church. I'm the church when I'm at Walmart. You're the church when you're at work. We are the church. It's time for the church. It blows my mind that God took your pathway and all that you've been through, and he brought you here, and he took my pathway, and he put us all together in this church called Church on the Hill. Some of you come from other backgrounds and, 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 and other places in the world, and God brought us all here for such a time is this? Why? Because you found a place of other men and women who say, you know what? I may not see it the way you see it that way, but I do see it this way at the same. You go, yes, I agree with that. And you found some pastors and some leaders who say, you know what? It's not all about us. We're not trying to build bigger buildings and have nicer things. We want to touch the world. And something inside of you resonates. Why? Because God puts you here. Because God puts you on the same. Our past and your street that you were on ran into our street. And the street that I was on ran into your street. And here we are doing our best to love Jesus and make it hard to go to Hell from Dallas Fort Worth. And are you with me today as we go forward? It is time for us to be the church. Somebody shout hallelujah! My God, my God, it's time to arise and be who God made us to be. Now, you can hear a message like this and say, Let's go do it, and it sounds militant. We're gonna take over. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Let me help you. As I study scriptures, the next question would be: why we do what we do, and that is touching the lost. And I want to give you the why. Look at this real quickly, the why. We've got to keep moving. Our motivation is found in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10. First, 2 Thessalonians 1, 8 through 10. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Who do you hate enough that you want that to happen to them? There's nobody I hate that I want that to happen to them. There's nobody that I want them to be shut out for eternity away from God. There's nobody that I want to have eternal destruction. I want people whooped because they need to learn a lesson. But I don't want anybody destroyed. How much hatred do you have to have in your heart to let your neighbor burn in hell forever? His solution His solution wasn't a list of letters. Yes, we had the Bible to guide us. His solution wasn't a video series. Yes, we preach and we put it on video. His solution wasn't one temple. His solution was a church. Us, you and me. Being like him in the earth. You know, you want to know what you and I need to commit ourselves to in 2018? You know what the vision of this house is? To make it hard to go to hell from Dallas Fort Worth. It's that simple. I don't want anybody. This is what motivates me. This is what gets me up every morning. If I was, if I wasn't a pastor, if I was a businessman or a woman, I, me and my wife together, man and woman, I would spend my whole day trying to get my employees to know who Jesus was and to use my business to help others come to know that there's a there's a pending destruction on their life if they don't recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. He's made a way for them. There's grace and mercy extended in them. Harden not your heart. Turn to God. If I worked at Walmart. I'd have a small group meeting in Walmart in the break room. I'd get all the employees on break time and tell them, let let me talk to you about this Savior, Jesus, and the impending danger that awaits you upon your death. Now I want to give you just three little steps. Practical, You know, I'm very practical. What are we going to do, Pastor? How are we going to do it? Let me give you three little steps this year. As I study through scriptures, there's a lot of ways to help people come to know Christ. Let me give you three little steps. I'm going to slim it down for you. Can I slim it down for you? We'll slim it down for you and actually use that somewhat as an acronym. Number one, we're going to stop. Number two, we're going to listen. And number three, we're going to minister. S-L-M, slim it down. It's that easy. Stop. We're so busy in the day, we don't even recognize that the coworker that we're having problems with. Really, they're bound to something that we can unlock them from. A fear that you're going to try to take their job from them. They're bound to a horrible marriage that they bring all the difficulties to work. They're bound to a stronghold of the mind that you're a Christian, and as a result, you just want them to burn in hell because they're not a Christian. They're bound, and we've got to stop listen, and we've got to minister. Stop, listen, and then minister. It's that simple. I'm not asking you to quit your job and go to Africa as a missionary. He put us here at this time for such a time as this. All of where we work, where we live, the houses that we bought, the apartments we live in, the places that we go to eat for such a time as this. He's put all of our pathways together, and he calls us church on the hill. There's some amazing churches all around the nation, all around the city, but we are church on the hill to bring forth his light and his love to a hurting, dying generation. Right where you sit, I want you to close your eyes quickly. Bow your heads right where you sit. Father, I pray right now that our church will be a church. A church that's standing in the difficult places. When you declared this, Lord Jesus, you were standing outside of the mouth of Mount Hermon. Lord, right there at that place where they called it the gates of hell. Where perversion and wickedness did abound. And in that moment, Lord God, you told your own disciples, this is what I will build in these type of situations And it'll be the church. Lord, I pray right now, every man and woman in this congregation would recognize they are the church. That they would recognize that you love them. That you've called them for such a time as this. Lord, they're not perfect. They're not sinless. We're all sinners saved by grace. But they have keys to unlock people's hearts that'll never listen to me, that'll never listen to a podcast, that'll never go hear Stephen Furtick or get online and listen to Joel Osteen, Lord God. Only they had the key to that heart, to that mind, to that way of thinking. And Father, I pray right now that they would arise, that they would recognize that this is their finest hour. Jesus, you put us alive in the United States in a time of turmoil where there's misappropriation in politics and leadership is being exposed and a time, Lord God, of change and difficulty and people are under pressure and people are scared and, 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 and worried about finances and they're worried about all these different things, oh God, but we have the peace of God abiding in us. We are your solution to a loss and dying world. Let the church be the church in this hour. May 2018, Marcus, not by... Did we get better jobs and did we buy new things? But how many we help to know the truth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. May you use us to bring that revelation to so many. As they see us walk out in love. As they see us, Lord God, pause our moments of our day and listen to them and then minister life to them. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today you say, Pastor, i got to be honest, I'm not a Christian. If I died today, I wouldn't go to heaven. You're talking about being the church, and I'm not the church. I, I, I'm not. I'm not a Christian. I don't, I don't know if I died today if I would go to heaven. Friend, can I tell you something? Jesus is the Christ. And I know you probably know that in your head, but will you accept that in your heart? Will you make him the Lord of your life today? That's the question set before you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but I walked away from the Lord, but today I want to come home. I used to serve the Lord, but life happened, and I just walked away. I didn't mean to. It just happened, and my relationship with God is broken. I feel separated. I feel divorced, and I don't want to be like that anymore. I want Jesus as the Lord of my life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, if either you used to be a Christian, but you walked away, and you want to now come home to Jesus, or you've never been a Christian, and you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'd like to pray with you. No one's looking around. I won't call you for it. I won't embarrass you. I won't humiliate you. I won't point you out. This is a deep, private decision. I know it's a public, a public forum, but, but I want it to be private for you. But I do need you to acknowledge that to yourself, to the Lord, and I'd like to be a part of that with you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're away from God, you're not a Christian, you want me to pray with you, and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, would you just slip your hand up? No one's looking. Just put it up. Make sure I see it. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Yeah, thanks. You can Put it back down quickly. Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready to be a Christian. i to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Two more seconds. Anybody? Thank you, sweet love. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Now, right there where you sit, with your head bowed, with all sincerity of your heart, I want to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of repentance. In fact, I'm going to ask the whole congregation to pray it out loud. And those that lifted their hands, I want you to mean it with all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today, I declare you are Lord. I ask you. To forgive me of my sin. To wash me clean. I accept your sacrifice on that cross. And here and now, I declare, Jesus is my Lord. Write my name in your book of life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for every man and woman who prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe a homecoming prayer right now coming back to you. Lord, I pray the peace of God which surpasses all understanding would guard their hearts and minds and right now in the name of Jesus they would sense and feel your love and your capacity to go past all of their sin, all of their shortcomings, all of their failures and embrace them as sons and daughters. In this holy moment, may they recognize I am belonging to Christ. I am his son. I am his daughter. I am his church. Father, I pray right now. I pray against all addictions. I pray against all strongholds of the mind. And I pray for great freedom here and now in a way that's unprecedented. And may they sense and know that you are the Lord of their life. We thank you for it now in Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted, amen and amen.